Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. Prepare to be transformed by God's undiluted word. Let's go and look at Paul. You will see the same, I'll see the first scripture that showed his, his attitude to life, another scripture that will show how he ended life. So let's begin in Acts 20, Acts chapter 20, verse 22, 23, 24. I'll read, then we'll go to 2 Timothy. Acts chapter 20 from verse 22. Acts 20 from verse 22. Acts 20 from verse 22. Everybody turn your Bibles there. Let's look at it again. Let's look at it. From verse 22. Acts of the Apostles chapter 20. He says, and now behold. <clears throat> Paul is speaking here. He says, now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city. Paul is everywhere I go, somebody is prophesying, saying that bonds and afflictions are waiting for me in Jerusalem. Verse 24. Listen to Paul. He said, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course. Somebody say my course. I hope you see all these things recurring. It's the same thing, the same assignment, the same um, do the works of him that sent me. Paul is saying here that I might finish my course. How do I want to finish it? Talk to me everybody. Talk to me everybody. This is one of the main reasons why I said everybody is free to walk away from what you've been doing in church. Because I realize there are people in church today that are doing what they're doing, but they're not happy doing it. They're doing it because pastor said, oh, we need somebody here. Come and help us to do it. So let's go and do it. And then they're just doing it as a, some kind of duty and all that. Paul said here, I, I, I do not count my life dear to myself. It simply means there is no sacrifice I count too big. And he's saying to them that I might finish my course with joy. I finish my course with joy in the name of Jesus. So this was Paul's attitude. He says, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify, this was his own ministry, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. That was his own calling, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. That was his ministry. And he said, even if they tell me they're going to kill me, I mean, people were coming to him. Hagabos, prophets, came to him, and they were saying to him, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to die. And the man says, if I don't go to Jerusalem, I can't do what God called me to do, so I'm going to go. I don't even count my life dear to myself. You know, I was thinking this morning, <clears throat> That how many of us really, and I want to put this question to us, how many of us really can say there has been a period in my life where I sought the Lord with all my heart? You know what the Bible says? I think we read it also this morning. What the Bible says, you seek the Lord, if you, you find him, if you seek him with all your heart. How many can actually seriously say, in the course of my Christian life, I've had a period where I have sought the Lord with all my heart? I can tell you, not many. Not many. I've sought him with all my might, with all my heart, with everything. It has become the center focus of my existence. Where will we have time for that? 
When, when new monies, new contracts, new jobs, new whatever, all those things are calling, I have found, let me just, this one is free of charge, just on the side. I have found this, that the, to become a successful Christian, there is a grace that God will have to give you. And that is the ability, and I'm not sure I can explain this properly this morning because of time, but let me just say it this way. There is a grace that God will have to give you to be able to, in the things of this world, engage without engaging. <laughs> because the, the truth is, if, if we all come to church and we say, okay, all we are doing is we're seeking the Lord. Um, like I was saying to my daughter yesterday, I said, she, she was questioning me on something, and I said, for example, now, I cannot say that I, I trust God, that God will meet our needs, and I stop working, and I don't work at all for, for any income. And she said, why not? We trust God. And I said, are you sure? Let's do it. And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying, so that, that's a little bit different. But I'm saying to us, there must be that ability in every one of us to engage without engaging. Because if you don't learn to engage without engaging, what this world does, this world opens its mouth and swallows completely. This world is never contented with just taking a little bit of you. I had an experience. I'm getting distracted this morning, but it's okay. I had an experience a few weeks ago. I sat down with a man who is above 60, 60 plus. So I sat down in his house, and I'm having a conversation with him and just reviewing life. And in the course of that conversation, I am almost brought to tears because what I found is I realized that I'm speaking to somebody who had who has, not had, who has a call of God upon his life to ministry. But now he's 60 years of age and 60 years have gone by where all kinds of things have occupied the place. But the thing about the an assignment of God is, remember I said to you, it's not negotiable. So suddenly now, he has come to 60, there are no things anymore, there is no child to send to school, there is no house to build, there is nothing, the, 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 I mean, it's getting old and all that. And suddenly, that realization of that assignment at creation comes and, and weighs upon him. And he said, I want to do it. He says to me, I want to minister, I want to live for Jesus, I want to do it. And I'm sitting there and saying, where do we begin this right now? Ah, may God help you to bear your body in the days of your youth, in the name of Jesus. The problem with the days of our youth is, is the same days of our youth we used to chase this world. And that's a dilemma that all of us have to deal with. May God help you to be able to engage without engaging in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's go back to, I, I went, maybe somebody picked something from that, but you see Paul here, he said in verse 24, we're sitting in Acts chapter 20, he said, I count, not I count time my life to be dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry the Lord has given me, I want to finish it. So I don't care what the cost to myself will be, this is my life. This is my life. So let's now go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, turn your Bibles there, we're turning the Bible, yeah, that is church, we should read the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4, let's read verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, and you see how Paul finished his life. So we've seen two people now that finished, and they, they finished well. But there's an attitude that you must have to be able to finish well. To be able to finish well. That attitude is what I'm going to be asking everybody that says in the coming weeks, 
that I want to walk in any ministry of this church. I'm going to be sitting down and having interviews. All of the people that will become heads of ministries, I'm going to sit them down and have interviews with them to ensure that this is the attitude with which people are going into it. To ensure that I don't, you know, as a church, for example, this church is really running well the less I know about what is happening. And the early days of this church, I knew everything. I knew everything. I mean, everything. I knew exactly the number of shoes in the service. I, I knew everything. <laughs> everything. But you know that, you know, even if you are, you know, just like when you walk at a Bausch teller or something, they say, you, you are the foreman. You know they're deceiving you. You are not foreman, you are one man. So when they call you foreman, they just try to make you do all the work of everybody, and you will only wear yourself out. And the church will be just limited and truncated. The growth of the ministry now depends on when I can multiply myself in a million ways. And it can be working all concurrently. And everybody has the same heart, the same sense of excellence, the same requirement for excellence is in the mind of everybody. The same sense of I count not my life dear to myself. Whatever it's going to cost, I'm going to put into it. That's the same sense that everybody is running with. That's when we can really run our journey. And that's what you see in the life of Paul here. And that's really where God wants us to go. So I'm going to be asking that of everybody that wants to be a worker. I'm going to be asking that particularly of everybody that wants to be a leader. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Look at Paul speaking here. He says from verse 5, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, but watch thou in all things <clears throat> and endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. He was talking to the young man, Timothy. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry, advising him. He says, but for me, in verse 6, I am now ready to be offered. That's a man saying, I'm ready to die. <laughs> I've lived my life. I'm ready to be offered. And the time of my departure, not a flight to Canada, the time of my departure, he said, is at hand. Then look at verse 7. He said, I have fought. I fought what? I have done what, people? I have fought a good fight. And then just like Jesus that we read in John 17 verse 4, he said, I have done what? I have done what, people? I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I, I can tell you this. Personally, my biggest concern is not, is not about starting. We already started. My biggest concern is to be able to say we did everything that he anointed us to do. That we can stand like this man and say, I finished. One of the biggest things that make people not finish is that because you're only one person, you can only do the job of one person, every time you spend doing the jobs of other people, it's time that is removed from the time you have to finish your own job. So when, when I, as a pastor, for example, I look at, I look at, and this you can use for your own life, I look at somebody else doing another kind of ministry that God has called him to do, and I become um, interested. I say, oh, look how beautiful and how nice it looks, and I then spend a lot of my effort and my time trying to do what he's doing, and then somewhere down the line, I will find, "Mm, this is not for me. And then I come back, I've just lost time, that means I may not be able to finish my own course. And that applies to every one of us. And I tell you, I'm speaking to people this morning who have lost a lot of time already on this assignment that I'm talking about. 
And so we will need to double up a lot, double up a lot, that we will be able to come to this point and say like Paul is saying here, like Jesus said, I have finished the course. Your church, my friends, is the closest avenue for fulfilling your kingdom purpose. Talking about your king, the kingdom of God and I. Your church where God has planted you is the closest avenue for you to fulfill your kingdom purpose. And that is why, actually I think, I think I'll just stop it here this morning. I'll just talk it here, stop it here and get us to pray a little bit. The, the majority of people, and that's not just here, generally in every church, everywhere, the majority of people in churches that are Christians, they've given their lives to Jesus, accepted the shed blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of the cross. The majority of such people actually don't do anything in the kingdom. The majority of people actually just come and go and criticize and say, look at how they did it. They didn't do that one well. And look at how they're singing. And look at how the microphone is sounding. Look at all of that. I found that the people that complain the most are those who are not doing anything. I'm too busy doing my own job to have time to look at yours. But when I don't have things to do, then I have time to be looking at your own, at the way you are doing it. Let me say this to us. Please write it down. Think about it. I'll say it slowly. And I'll just close here. I don't have to go and think about this. I'll come back next week and do the other part of it. The most irresponsible thing you can do, write it down in shorthand. You know, when I speak fast like this, you might need shorthand, what secretaries were using in those days. The most irresponsible thing you can do is to drink from the flow of other purposes. As I'm preaching right now, you're drinking from the flow of my purpose. Sitting in an arranged service this morning, you are drinking from the flow of the ushers. We just add worship. You are drinking from the flow of the lively stones. <laughs> We're sitting in this service and the presence of God is there. People prayed. All kinds of things around. You, you, the most irresponsible thing you can do is to drink from the flow of other purposes and deprive us of your flow. Deprive the rest of us of what you can bring. Everybody, everybody, young and old, can find one of these ministries. Pitch your tent with them and serve the Lord under the leadership of a leader there. Some of them don't need a lot of help to know that you don't belong. This morning during worship, at the time when, I, I can't remember the song, where there was some clapping, that was rhythmic clapping. There was some time when they were clapping. And I did not join on time, so they were already clapping. So I wanted to join. I couldn't even join. You know when there is a clapping going on, and there's a timing of it, and I'm trying to join, I can't join. I said to myself, even to join clapping, you can't join. Just understand timing of music and all that. I can't understand. So someone like me knows that Lively Stones is not my place, isn't it? 
or you can find something. What I've tried to do with, we have only eight of them at this moment, is <clears throat> that a couple of ones we've done in the past and have just collapsed right now, I want us to focus our attention at this moment. And then eventually, as time goes on, and other people come in, and I have graces in particular areas. Next week, I'll speak to us about the grace. This morning, I've spoken about the, the, the assignment itself. Next week, I'll speak about the grace for it. Um, other people will come in that will have graces, and this will expand. But there will be somebody who says, I, I have a heart. I want to pray. I want to. In, in, the, in the prayer team, it's not where we pray that God will give you money to pay your rent. No. That's why we're praying and interceding and fighting spiritual battles and breaking down strongholds. That which makes somebody come to church and say, I don't want to come to church again. Those are spiritual things going on. That makes, makes somebody hear the gospel and say, I don't care about it. Those are the kind of battles that are taking place. That's the prayer thing. That's what they do. <laughs> Fastings often is what that should be. Prayers often. Background, you might never know many of them until Jesus returns. But the, the life of a service like this will depend on what they do. Somebody will have a heart for that. Social media, that's one of the big things going forward. One of the big areas. But we need people who have a heart, who have a passion for that, who want to use it for God. That, that's a big one. First impressions is, is a team that welcomes people to church. Everybody that has come to church, that has come to stay, since we've taken this ministry serious, you've had contact with them. The first ones to welcome you. Um, many times people will just misuse them. People will not be nice to them. So you will have to be somebody who has a heart for doing something like that to keep on doing it, to welcome people. That's a major ministry in church. Somebody, who, somebody just right now says, oh, yeah, I, want, I, I believe I have the grace to be able to carry that, to welcome people, be the person to welcome them, be their first friends in church. Look after them until they join a ministry in church. That's first impressions. Ushering. If you make me an usher, I tell you, one day I will slap a first-timer. <laughs> I can be an usher. But there are people that can stand there. And th that work is so, so very important. Extremely important. Like a couple of weeks ago, I think it was like three or four weeks ago, I, I, I went outside, and as I was coming back to the service, the service was just about to begin, and we're just about to begin called to worship. So as I was coming back to the service, I stood at the door there, and there were these two people who I'd never seen before, and most likely they were coming to church for the first time, or maybe I didn't know them, but I'd never seen them. They, they actually met me at the door. I stood back, let them go before me, so they entered the service. So I stood back and I watched them. And they got to the door there, and there was no usher. So everybody was just doing their own things. We were all here, and everybody was, and they stood there a little bit. They didn't know where to go, and I was just watching that. So, of course, it becomes uncomfortable. They don't know anybody here. They've never been here before. Eventually, one of the ushers saw them, and there, was, there were two empty seats on that second row there. One of the ushers pointed them, didn't even take them there, just told them, go there. It was, I was standing there watching. Oh, I said, go there. So, they, those two people, they now went. They, they got there, and on the seat where they were told to go was a note saying, reserved. So when they got there, they stood. They didn't know what to do. So that time, Osha now came to them and took them from there and then took them away to somebody else. What a nice welcome to church. <laughs> what a nice way to come in. So when, when, we, when we're speaking about the work of an Osha, this is a really professional person that is standing there and making sure that 
every one of us as we come in. And they have the authority. They complain to me many times. And since they tell you to do this, they tell you to do that. And many of you are very goat-headed. I'm not abusing you. <laughs> you don't listen. When they speak to you, that's me telling you to sit there. And you should sit where they tell you to sit. Make their lives easy. The junior church, that's a major one. A very, very, apparently when those children, our junior church right now is from birth until, until age, age, age 12. is what we have in there. And that's so, so critical. Sometimes I see some of the people that we have that are now in expression house and teenage church. And I'm thinking we must have done something wrong in junior church for them to become like this at 16, 17, 18. So whatever is going on in there is extremely critical. So we'll come here on Fridays, for example, and we're praying, and they're just making noise as if they're in um, Some of the ways they don't behave when they're in school, they come to church, and there's something wrong with that. So we, all that, those are the places where I'm trying to make us see that, look, there is a lot of work to do to go on the journey that we need to go on. And there's no way any one man can, can do all of this. There has to be a, this, there is the, it's an army of people that have been raised with the same sense of purpose with which we run. There, are, there will be people in this church that just have a heart and say, I will not sit down here and watch children not being trained in church. I will not sit down here and watch that children come to church and just while away time just for the sake of coming. No, I will make it my life that those children are taught in church. That, that, that's the kind of person that I don't have to chase and say, have you done this? Have you done that? All of these microphones and all that. Like I, like I told you, there was a time when it, it was me. I, I knew about speaker. I, I, I used to carry speaker. I, 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 knew, I knew amplifier. I knew all of those things. But you can tell that there's no way I know enough to be able to do what we need to do. And so there needs, to be, there needs to be people who just have a flair for it, understand it, they know it. My job is to make it easy for them. When they say, Pastor, we need this, I say, yes, we have it. That's my job. We need this to do it properly, you have it. That's always been my thought. Because it's to make sure that church is where everybody comes and fulfills their destiny. My job, really, is to prepare the atmosphere where you come in, and find your place, you fit into it. When we finish, you say, I have finished my course. I say, I finished my course. We've done our jobs. Did you understand what I said to us this morning? I'm going to ask us to pray. Simple prayer. And I'm going to ask us to pray this morning, everybody. I'm going to say, God, help me to fit into my purpose. Thank you for listening to this message. Please hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. For questions, please send an email to pastormo at thestonechurchberlin.com. God bless you.